Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. I wanted to speak like it's Canadian. I don't know why. Recording in progress would be better. Is that Canadian? Oh, yeah, yeah. They do the whole progress. Uh, there's another one that they say that they're like their O's are, you know, instead of O's, they're O's. Ah, because they're not Midwestern. They're Canadian. That makes sense. They are Canadian. Yes. <laughs> I, Maybe yeah. Canadian. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. In Canada, they say A too. I, I know the stereotype, yes. I, I mean, stereotypes become a stereotype sometimes because they actually are. That was not really... Uniform, but. Sometimes there's like the stereotypes that are like, you know, evil stereotypes. And other times there are stereotypes that just, oh, yeah, that's one of those quirky Canadian things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we have our quirky Midwesternisms. Oh, yes. Bottle stops. Oh, the A of the Midwest. I'm going to close the kitchen door for a second. We say weird things like warsh. You know? Don't say we. I don't say warsh. Well, I meant, you know, Midwesterners, not necessarily us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your grandmother uses warsh a lot. I know, but she's also embarrassed by it. <laughs> she says dish, She says dishes, too. She I feel like we talked about this before. Huh? I feel like we talked about this maybe a few weeks ago. I I don't I didn't, but maybe sure? someone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went to the dentist this week. Sunday, you you mm-hmm. wear that to breakfast on Sundays when you come over. Well, you know when you used it's to be cold out. Huh? It's, it's cold outside. It's chilly. I see. It's not super warm here this week. It actually kind of dropped off and like the highs have been in the 60s. Yeah, I heard it like hit 90 and then dip to fall. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it really did that. Like it was 95 and the next day the high was like 58 and people started freaking out. Well, in fairness, that's some global warming shit. So, I mean, no, that that actually felt pretty much like Indiana stuff my entire life. Not even when I was young, it would do that. Like mm-hmm. they, 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 it was the the greatest day ever because our schools didn't have air conditioning when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like September was always horrible because it's still summer, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the first like, you know, three weeks of school were brutal, and then they'd finally have that day where it like dropped from ninety degrees to like fifty five, mm-hmm. and everybody at school would be kind of like in a ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. Like I mean, there's not yesterday, but today it's it's almost pleasant in here, you know? Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> not really AC anywhere here. So like I think it's kind of been an adjustment period because I have radiators, but I don't know how to turn them on. And part of me is a little bit like, you know. I can probably hold off on learning how until like November. I mean, 
depending on how cold it gets. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm only, you know, I'm like, it's only a few weeks until I'm back in the States for a few weeks. And then by the time I get back, it'll be like cold, cold here. So. Well, you know, the, um, we have radiators here in people's houses as well. There's usually just a thermostat. You turn it on and it. Yeah, I understand that, but the, this is not that. This is like there's a knob on each radiator, and it looks like I'm going to have to, like, physically turn it on. And adjust, like, as you go? Like, there's no thermostat at all? Like, no, you know, there's I put not it on four, it gets a little warm. I turn it back to three, like that sort of thing? No, that's not a thing. It, it doesn't, I mean, not, 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 not temperature related, but just, like, a setting. Like, I turn it on. Let some heat yeah. in and then turn it back down like you manually or your control. Once again, I've I've lived in this apartment for three months. I haven't seen a thermostat in it at all. So no. Huh. Wow, old school. Kicking it really old yeah. school. Well, I mean, it is, you know, uh like, like an apartment that's been built in like the eighteen hundreds. So So does it you you know, do you do you have a fireplace in there somewhere? I do, but it's no longer a fireplace. Uh Okay. So I, mean, I was just wondering, cause like, you know, it could be that you need to build a fire to keep warm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty 100% certain that it's, it's that I have to figure out how to turn on the radiators in each room, but. Or you have to do like Scrooge, a lump of coal, you know, no. like the, again, like, again fireplaces bricked over and now has like drywall in it and shit. That takes all the fun out of it. I mean, I was thinking like that you would have a little Dickensian thing going and at at Christmas time you could open the window and pay somebody, uh, you know, a quarter to to bring a goose. Well, I would also like to remind you that I am on the top floor of the building. And so therefore I can't really stop Scrooge. Um, He threw the money right out the window. So, and then like also there have been rumors, like I've, I've talked about this before with some local people. I like, I think I mentioned it to like Naran and Felix and they talked about it. And then this other girl gave me like a special key at a fair that's supposed to help you like adjust the settings of it. But again, I feel like this is the thing I'm going to actually have to learn how to do when I'm putting it off. And she said, Oh, top floor um, flats usually have, uh, like the benefit of all of the other apartments heat rises to the top floor. So the top floor doesn't usually have to. So there is a benefit from 9,000 stairs to get into your apartment. Yes. Well, you don't have to walk up them. So I don't know why, (laughs) but yes. Yeah. Uh, the, in theory, I will gain a benefit. You you don't have to walk up often to get into your apartment. How do you get in? I mean, I have to walk. I was saying that you personally, like, oh, because I'm not like, there. Like, oh, 15,000 shares. Like, you, have no, you don't have to walk up them. Well, um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, you know, any apartment with a bunch of stairs to get up to your apartment kind of stinks. I mean, I mean, I like <laughs> the apartment. I don't, like, I notice the stairs, but I'm, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like, like, stop ripping on my apartment. It's not a bad apartment just because it's on the top floor. No, did I, did I, I, I'm sorry. Was, was I was ripping on your apartment. I wasn't ripping on your apartment. I was saying this is really getting sidetracked from me finishing my thought. Can we finish it first? Sure. Finish that. <laughs> I, like I don't have the ability to retain this thought anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So in theory, the heat will rise from the other apartments and make mine warmer. However, 
I have a very large bit of skepticism with that based on the fact that I don't think anyone else in any of the other apartments is going to turn on their radiators for a little while. Like, I think that they're probably basking in the cold because they're Scottish. (laughs) And so I think it might be November or December before they turn on their radiators. Well, to be fair, I think I've trained you for that anyway. Like, yeah, it feels like your house in here. It's fucking cold. I'm wearing (laughs) shoes right now. Okay. I mean, like my house how many times that, how many times have I been in a home and you note that I keep my shoes on the entire time? Usually you come in and throw a blanket over yourself. I mean, that's yeah. the you know, you wear the sweater. That's why I said the Sunday sweater. And you put like every blanket you can find on. Yeah. While I'm over here sweating. Yeah. It's not my fault that you run hot. I, I am hot. That's what it is. You know, hot as fire. Like, I, I like radiate heat. Mm-hmm. I know this about you. So what else, uh, you know, other than it's starting to get colder in Scotland, anything cool going on there this week? Uh, I went to the dentist about okay. my gums. What's the dentist like in a country that has, you know, universal health care? So, I mean, it's another, like, you know, that I've been dealing with, like, the bureaucratic rat race kind of thing. Like a lot, like I feel like it's never ending paperwork. This is the first time I've actually gone to a doctor since like moving here. And so I thought I had the right number because so when I applied for my visa, I paid an NHS surcharge. Um, And so that surcharge, they gave me a number for it. It's literally like I prepaid for all of my NHS fees for like the entire time I'm here. So they gave me a IHS surcharge number to identify that I did pay them that money. And then I got here taxes. Yes. And then when I got here, I applied for an NIN number, which is like a national insurance number. And I thought that that would be what I would take to the doctor um, to say, Hey, look at this. I'm registered for healthcare. And I got there, like I called the doctor, I like, went in, they hand me the form. And like maybe the third blank down is we need your NHS number. And I tried typing in the NIN that I have and they were like, nope, that's not it. That's a different number. And I was like, okay, so how do I get this one that you need? And they were like, you need to register with a general practitioner. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have one of those here. Um, what do you want me to do? And so they said, okay, even if the procedures you have are covered by the NHS, like even if they are free to you, we need that number in order to perform those things on you. And I was like, okay, so I can't get a cleaning. They were like, no, we can just do a preliminary examination. Okay. So they did that. And it was pretty much as you would assume they were like, Hey, your gums are inflamed. I'm like, it's genetically predisposition to happen. So yes, that is why I'm here. And they're like, here's the plan that we would do if we could. And they were like, we're going to schedule two more appointments with you and give you a prescription for this fancy dancy mouth cleanser. And I'm like, cool. And they were like, but first you need to find a GP, register with them, fill out a piece of paperwork, and then call them back three days later to get the NHS number. Then you're going to call us, give us the number, and then we'll schedule three more appointments for you. Like, oh. Okay. So it's just like insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
the only benefit is that it's cheaper than insurance and i'm not like currently basically you know what you're saying is that it's just like messing with blue cross blue shield Mm -hmm. 100 percent. yeah and what i'm hoping is that once it's set up it won't be like blue cross blue shield where every single time i go to the doctor we have to have the same conversation no it's not blue it's not blue cross blue shield it's blue cross blue shield alabama like that whole mess i'm hoping it'll be like ah yes bailey we remember you here you're probably not because they only have like one national health service yes yeah so there'll be be less of mix-ups over it sending it to the wrong insurance company however yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. i I feel you there so the dentist was your big like highlight of the week (laughs) it was pretty much the most exciting thing that's happened to me all week um, I'm trying I mean, to think you know, I figured that like work-wise, you'd be messing with the President's Cup or whatever, because that's like all over the TV. I mean, yes, but I've also we've been we've been working toward a big release cycle at work, so I've been putting that together for the most part, and I tried to delegate the President Cup coverage, but I haven't gotten any stories from my boss on it yet. So. That's, <laughs> That's a whole other meat and potatoes. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't been covering the President's Cup this week. Um, I've been trying to get some work stuff squared away, which is kind of an offline discussion. Oh, well, that's cool. I just was uh, like watching a little bit of it yesterday and um, it was um, uh, I, I, I find the format of the President's Cup interesting because it's like different from any other golf tournaments, you know. I mean, yeah, it's a funky it's, match well, I mean, play setup. It's bit. similar to Ryder Cup, but even a little bit different from that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the when that when the when it gets out of the like the normal golf season into these like special tournaments, they want to mm-hmm. come up with funky special rules, you know? <laughs> well, they just play basically like little challenges, like one-off challenges or different stuff, just because yeah. um, they're not or like they're not playing towards individual points anymore. You know? Right. But they're not playing like a regular round of golf either. They're like, you know, <laughs> and, well, also, and there's a little bit of strategy between who tees off on what hole and yeah. and stuff like that. And so it's like a whole different, you know, uh, setup. Like, you know, it, it was interesting to me anyway. And of course, would, it seems like the United States are really, really doing well so far. So, yeah, well, I think you would. um be at least interested in, have you watched any of the live tournaments? No. Okay. It's team play as well. Um, really? but it's a little bit different. Like they all tee off at once. Like instead of doing the like regimented times, they, they like run it differently. They all, they shotgun start or what? Yeah. Like, they, they all tee off on a different hole or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. I mean, whatevs. <laughs> I mean, they're all different formats. I'm just saying, like, if you're interested in that different, like, strategy team. What, no, I, like, I was interested thing. in it just from a one-off perspective. I wouldn't want everything to be like that. Mm-hmm. No, but um, I don't think that. It, it, I realistically speaking, I think like at least at the professional level, like nobody is assuming that Live Golf is going to take over the PGA Tour. Like, that's not. I, I am pretty sure it's not the marketing strategy they're going for in the first place. And like, I think that like what it probably will never replace it. And that I don't think anybody in the golf industry does think it'll replace it just because it's like, 
you're not going to change the format of golf in in like totality, right? Like golf. Well, is I, you know, I, I see it kind of like um, the same way. I see it kind of like the uh, like the XFL or the USFL, yeah. like the the the. That's the how it's talked about fundamentally. But what they're doing yeah. is such a different setup from what the PGA Tour does that like they're not going to be replacing the Masters, you know. Like nothing they do. I agree, but I'm saying it's kind of, it's gonna it's it's gonna be that thing like some of those other football leagues have been where they they have some of these funky rules and stuff like that, and it, it, and they and they really overpay to get a few stars to play on their on, on the teams instead of in the major league, mm-hmm. and then it falls apart because it like the reason that like the NFL works is that they don't change stuff like that. Like they, they keep like a, a, a kind of a, um, a, you know, this is our traditional That's set of formula. rules and our traditional teams that play and our, you know, so yeah. it's well, um, it, the, the longevity and the tradition of it is what keeps it together. I mean, major league baseball is a great example. Like hardly anything has changed in major league baseball when it started in the 1870s, you know, and <laughs> so, so yeah. the interesting thing about live and I, obviously I'm not an advocate for it. Like there is some stuff that's funky about it. And I like personally think that Greg Norman has and all has always, and will continue to look like a bond villain that just never really had his day in the sun, you know, like, <laughs> Um, that's, that's, um, he, he like, could play a bond villain. He probably should. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I think that I think if Greg Norman wanted to have an acting stint and just be a Bond villain for a movie or two, like I mean, I Bond think, villains don't really have like three dimensional characters anyway. So you yeah. can pretty much do a Bond villain just being like just about anybody could play a Bond villain if they had the right face. You know, Greg it isn't even it, right isn't it about acting acumen? I mean, the best Bond villain of all times is Doctor Evil, and he's not even in a Bond film. He's in right. a parody of a Bond film. Yeah. So Liv weirdly has like a younger tilt to their demographic information. So like mainstream golf media, like the, the pro tour, the PGA tour, their target demo leans old, like, like fifties to nineties that like, that's the age range that the PGA tour really has a high, like watch and search density to it like there's some younger people who do watch it but their biggest demographic is older people and so the interesting thing about live is that for whatever reason they actually have interest in like a younger pool of golf people and it's not a larger percentage by any means but like the fact that it appeals to a younger audience is kind of an interesting thing because like that's what golf like the golf industry is afraid of right now is they're like oh oh, shoot our entire demographic is old white dudes and the old white dudes are going to die like eventually it's well but i but i I think that that that, that's a little bit that, that that ignores some like obvious practical things about why golf is popular with that age group it's always going to be popular with that age group. It was popular with that age group when I was 20, yeah. you know? And no, I understand that ignores the fact that like 
People with a lot of time and disposable income on their hands will always want to spend most of that time and disposable income in a country club or golf course. But what I'm saying is that um, some people who have power sometimes have a short memory and fear the loss of that power. And so right. a lot of the time, the like rhetoric that coming from the PGA Tour is this talk of like, oh, we really need to figure out a way to grow the game. When it's like, for the most part, golf and its popularity has been about the same for the last like forever, forever. It's always been around like eight to 10% of the population. (laughs) And (laughs) like the thing about that is like, when you look at what the PGA Tour is doing and even what Live Golf is doing and Barstool Sports and all the people who cover it, it's like, what they're doing to try and grow the game is they're trying to interest like young white men, like like affluent young white men to join the game instead. And then they're getting mad that those people want to be like frat party, like drinking on the course, throwing beer cans when people get. Well, I mean, and, which has like, always buddy, been the case anyway. Like, I, I, I think yeah. the, the, the thing is that that's gotten better over the last 40 years. <laughs> well, like, like you look at John like, Daly, like. John Daly appealed to that group, and now that group is older. <laughs> like, John, John Daly was that group. Like, you know, the so, reason everybody liked John Daly from the moment that he started was because a lot of the people that play golf at normal municipal courses and stuff that aren't probably counted on surveys sometimes mm-hmm. are like between 25 and 45. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they go out there on the weekend, not because they are like country club members or any of that. They're playing at the municipal course that costs 10 bucks and they're taking a cooler of beer because the course will let them take their own beer on. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, you know, they're just having a good time and playing around the golf and they wouldn't like even probably a lot of them answer a survey appropriately because they'd be like, no, I'm not a golfer you know, even though they go and play, you know? So so this is kind of the crux of it is like, I've been looking at demographic data because we've been working on pushing new stuff out at work. And the thing about like, there's the core golfer who plays more than eight rounds a week. And it's that exact demographic you were talking about. And now uh, there's a certain group of that core, core golfer that is also in that younger demographic as well. But what's happening is we have like more people joining the game of golf than ever before. Like more people in the last three years have played a round of golf for the first time than historically has ever happened. And part of that is like, oh, pandemic, nothing to do, thing outside. Like, oh, let's try golf. Well, we can get away from people because on golf courses, you're not next to people really like closely. So (laughs) part of the interesting thing about that group of people who are trying golf for the first time is that one in four of them are women (laughs) and a lot of them are people of color, but those people like those two demographics, people of color and women, even though they're playing their first rounds more than ever before, they are not showing up for a second round. And that's the real breakdown of when you say like grow the game, it's like, okay, people are being introduced to the sport. They're not sticking around because a lot of the time when they go to the golf course, they're like, yeah, I mean, I could see myself doing this, but I'd have to hang out with like these people who don't seem to want me there. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't know that it's that even like, I mean, probably some of it is, but I would say that some of them are also I, I, the first time that you play, unless you, uh, the first time you play any kind of sport like that, especially if you're like 30 years old and haven't played it before, 
you know, uh, having a little bit of success goes a long way to you wanting to do it again. And uh, golf isn't something that like you're going to have a lot of success the first time you try it, no matter what. Like no matter what age you try it the first time, <laughs> you're right. But what I'm saying you're, is, you're like, unlikely to go out there and be able to like hit the ball accurately or any of those things. And if you're like a lot of the time with with any sport, it's having just that little bit of success that like that really hooks you in. You know, so I'm going to repeat the statistic for you because I feel like you're misunderstanding it by how you're trying to explain it. Um, it's not that those people like these new players are dropping off. It's per new player who is in one of these demographics. They're returning less often than the core golf demographic does. Well, I, I, I hear all of that, but I still say that most of the people that play for the first time that don't come back, it's just because they didn't play very well and they didn't okay. like, it. they didn't like, like the, they didn't like the game because they had a lack of any kind of success. And, right, but that doesn't and, account and, for the different demographic problem. Like well, a it could because a white like, person are going to have the same success rate on a course. Not really, because if they're out there playing with people, they like you know, like you said, they they don't know if they're out there with their like you know, if I was thirty and went for the first time, my friends might probably actually be golfers, and they might be able to help me. So. I get halfway through the round and I'd start getting better because they'd be giving me tips. Mm -hmm. And these folks might have to go out there and play basically alone because they know no one that plays. <laughs> and yeah. so they aren't having much success because they need tutoring. And of course, they're afraid to ask because they don't like, you know, like you said, the people. Like I said, that may be a part of it. But like the other part of it is that if you don't have some kind of success the first time you try a sport, even if that's like, you know, I missed 50 jump shots, but I hit one and I felt really cool because I finally stroked one in. So I think I'll go play basketball again. Like it's the same concept with any sport. If you just are really bad at it, you just you're like, eh, it was nice being out there and it was fun to get some exercise, but I'm terrible at that. So I'm not going to try it. Again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I get you. I think that, I, like. I mean, I, I'd say there's a good percentage of that going on. Not, you know, there's there's probably some other stuff as well. I'm not discounting your stats at all. I'm just saying, yeah. um, you know, the first time that you try any sport, if you have absolutely no success, you're unlikely to try for a second round, especially yeah. if you don't have that kind of personality where you're like, you know, I know I can do this better. What is wrong with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and so basically, yeah. like, the conversation is, like, if you want more people to join the game, you have to be friends with them. <laughs> like, Definitely. I agree with that. And, sure. and so that's kind of, it's like, when we talk about, like, okay, one in four new player, players are women, I've really not, like, as a woman in the, like, industry that covers this sport, ever felt like someone was like, yeah, this makes sense that she's there. Like, I mean, just looking at how I dress and how I act and fucking shit on my walls most of the time, mm -hmm. like I don't read as like your typical golfer. Um, and like people yeah. are polite and nice, but it's not like I have friends who play golf, you know? And so it's like, I can completely understand when like people in my demographic, young women are like, yeah, I mean, I tried it or I was on the golf team in high school, but I'm not going to go back out there now. Cause it's like, do I really want to play 18 holes by myself? Like, and have to keep telling the people behind me, like, go ahead and play through. Like, well, you know, I mean, th this is though similar to other things like D and D for example, like you can't play dungeons and dragons without other people. Right. 
So, yeah. But, but like it's a direct play off of other people game, you know? Right. But I mean, I, I think the same thing is true. Like of, of anything like golf or any other sport, like you, if you, if you put together a couple of friends to go do it, then it's going to be more fun for everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> to D and D's credit, D and D has the same problem where a lot of the people who have been in it forever tend to be like, nerdy ass white guys and alienating to others like so yeah, they alienate, yeah. Playing. right like, like right. the amount of dungeons and dragons i've played where there's one nerdy computer dev who just thinks that because i'm a woman i have no concept of like rolling for initiative like there's also varying degrees of skill right like so like yeah. music is one of those things like I know I've been in many a music store where they look at me and I and I'm a professional musician and I feel like a little bit like on the outs with the people when I walk in, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they're looking me over like, you know, and, and I'm like, man, I've played more shows than you can dream about. Like, so I have that confidence to just step past their little bit of like shade, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I can see where a, a person walking in that doesn't has never played an instrument and is really curious about it could get super intimidated and just walk right back out the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I think that a lot about, uh, you know, I have friends mm -hmm. who want to play music. I just caught a fly with my bare hands. So nice. Um, that, that's like, you know, you're like, you're doing a whole karate kid thing over there. That's like woman um, who catch fly with bare hands, accomplish anything. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have friends who, who are like, yeah, I want to start a band, but like even if they live in a house full of musicians and are friends with the people who run the venue and run bar at a DIY venue, it's like, I still have friends who are even immersed in the music scene are completely surrounded by music 24 seven and feel like they're not like compelled to start a band that they want to start because they're kind of discouraged by the people around them or put down by the people around them. I mean, you've had that, that too, like, um, the way that people kind of treat you like you're putting on airs or something just because you promote yourself. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that's like, a yeah, weird, that's a weird thing inside music. I, I mean, six months on, so. yeah, no, that's a weird thing inside music where people like uh, have something like they think that famous people and famous musicians have become that way just through some sort of everybody cheering them on and not them ever promoting themselves. And yeah. like actual, you know, the biggest artists in the world do nothing but promote themselves constantly. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you know, what happens when like um, Adele puts out a record? Well, she goes on the Today Show and the Kelly Clarkson show and the like, you know, it's all self-promotion stuff. Right. It's not, you know, oh, well, they invited me on. I'm like, B.S., man. The publicist sent out a thing and said, hey um adele's putting out a record do you want to have her on the show and they were like yeah cool that'd be great we need guests and you know yeah she's already famous but we'll 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 prop her up for her new record you know mm -hmm. like it, it's all like a it, you know it's, it's like a collab cross marketing situation just about every time you know the people are on letterman or not letterman now but um you know what, what what's the night shows fallon you know, mm -hmm. the Tonight Show or well, whatever. so like, like um, the people that go to do all those shows because they're self-promoting, and that's no different than somebody putting a whole bunch of Facebook posts up or sticking up something on Reddit or whatever. 
Like yeah. you have to promote yourself. It's just like, nobody's going to know that your music happened unless you tell them. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yesterday I, I posted on Facebook about like the newsletter I've been doing and I got like six or seven subs off of that just like right away and i was like oh yeah i forgot that like you're supposed to tell people when you do things <laughs> <laughs> you don't tell them they won't know so it's not like they're gonna find it you know like yeah so. well and I, like it's like i posted it before on like instagram and i've posted it on twitter before but i've not done it on facebook and i was like oh yeah facebook's like the group of like people who are wanting my life updates <laughs> and are more inclined to read long form content. Like, um, uh, like uh, before now, most of the demographic was like people I kind of am close to who are like my age, like friends from college, people I used to work with, like stuff like that. Um, and now it's skewing a little older because a lar large portion of the people who subscribe to it in the last day or so are, are friends with you, you or mom. <laughs> So it's like now, like the demographic has shifted more into like, okay, now we're looking at people who kind of know me through my parents rather than people who know me through like college or something like that. So like the information that I would be feeding them on purpose has shifted a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think the, the funny thing is, cause I hear people say this stuff all the time of, you know, Facebook is yesterday's thing or whatever. And it's like, well, not really like all ages are kind of in Facebook but they're not as fervent in different demographics. You know, it's like yeah. younger demographics aren't as fervently there as they are on TikTok, but they are there. And well, and um, I think that, like, and, the, and, and when you go to word. like when you go to Reddit or Discord or Snapchat or something, like there's a smattering of people of all demographics, and all of them, they're just mm -hmm. you know who where, where are these people fervently hanging out? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's also like the conversion rate and engagement rates are like astonishingly low across the board. So it's like really anywhere you go, people aren't going to engage with your content very like regularly. Like it just depends on like how many people see it. And then a certain percent are going to engage with it. But like, well, I, um, I think that Facebook has gotten better in the last six, eight months because they started to shift their algorithm more to like the way TikToks works. So like TikToks is all about like whether that like you can have uh, it, the subscribers don't matter because it does it based on like, you know, the, it like has 24 hour cycles, I believe, like where it like you post something. If during the first 24 hours, a lot of people watch it, it'll like let it surface again for 24 more. You know what I mean? <laughs> it'll even yeah. let it resurface way later if people start watching it for some reason. Cause I've had like a couple videos that I posted like a year ago, like, you know, they had like 20 views and then suddenly they got like 700 on some day in October. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Oh, well that's weird. You know, like it, nobody watched this when I put it out and now like this one day it surfaced because mm -hmm. somebody happened to stumble across it and shared it with somebody. And then, you know, and, yeah. and so it's more of a rewarding things that draw attention algorithm than like mm -hmm. the than the algorithm on Facebook, which has traditionally been like you know who follows you and who who are in your little club, right? Your little yeah. circle, you know. So and, uh, I, and I think Facebook is trying to change that a little bit and make it more of a you know like maybe, maybe it's a fifty fifty situation where they're trying to put more things around you know things that people pay attention to and not just who's on your list. 
So there are different <laughs> algorithms for each section of Instagram at the very least. And I'm certain that it's the same for Facebook where um, they use different sections of their app to test out certain algorithmic balances. So like, I know that they've been heavily like looking at TikTok as a guide for Instagram reels um, because Instagram reels does that same thing where it's like, okay, all of a sudden this video I made six months ago has like five thousand views weird um right. it just happens out of the blue too like on a certain day because because it finally caught some attention right and yeah. uh, and and that's cool because it can resurface old things um and, and you know just because something was posted a long time ago doesn't mean it isn't something that somebody might not like now right exactly <laughs> well and that's kind of an interesting part about it it's like so i've been doing these monthly like there's an app i have on my phone that does like um What's it called? It acts as if it's a Kodak camera, like the little, like it has like a little viewfinder. It's limited to the like number of shots you take. Like I've basically been using it almost as if it were a disposable camera. Cause I tend to like, there are like 26,000 photos in my phone. <laughs> so I'm bad. Wow, at, like, look at this admission. Yeah. This, this is my confession. Um, I have, too many photos on my phone. I take a bunch of different copy. Like I take a bunch of photos and then I never look back at them. <laughs> and so I've been using this like pseudo disposable camera so that I actually look back at like the last month of photos every month. <laughs> um, and so I've been, what I've been doing is making them into a little reel that's basically just like a photo log. Uh, like, so I just like add all of them to a single reel and then put it on um, Instagram. And most of them only get like 600 views, but because I've been posting regularly, everything else has gone over a thousand. Cool. So weird. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I have been since 2020, I think the middle of it largely devoid of, posting very much at all. I know. Yeah. And, um, but mostly that was because like the temperature online in 2020 made me not want to be there. Um, and and I hope that it stays away from that no matter what happens with the elections. Um, (laughs) there was nothing fun about it at all. And it just, you know, once it stops being fun, I don't care to go. However, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've got a lot of new stuff that's coming up. So, you know, I'm going to be on and there's going to be stuff like because we're getting, you know, this is getting ready to launch. This is I'm this is the fourth episode. But, you know, um, I'm just now getting ready to to launch the show because we had I had to edit this week. That was what I did. Um, <laughs> so we have we have a few of them ready to go. So, uh, you know, um, but I. um you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like kind of excited about it because I'm, uh, there's a lot of new stuff out there to do and, and to post to and to have fun with. And I, <laughs> I haven't really played with a lot of the tools. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, a lot of cool tools, <laughs> you know, you know, me, like I, I have a completely private Snapchat, right? Like I don't post publicly on there ever, but I love it because mm-hmm. it has all these weird filters and we have fun as a family in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just gonna like, you know, use any of the tools that are out there on TikTok or Facebook or Reels or whatever. So <laughs> it's gonna be fun and um interesting and strange. Um very strange is the 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 thing that I've <laughs> I've noticed the most of this is like 
super odd, very strange. I, I'm attracted to that for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, um, I did do one thing this this week that I, I forgot to mention earlier to you. Um, so I finally, I did a second recording stint of my pilot episode. I, I actually did both of them this week. I forgot. So like I did the first and then I did the second of the, the reading podcast I want to do. Um, and I the name yet? yes, it's called quiet reading time, quiet reading time. So yeah. like, you know, that's the thing we here at the end of 2022 and into 2023 are going to be like podcasting moguls because we're going to put out all sorts of content so you've got your own thing i've got moonshine and music which is going to actually kick back off in 23 and um so that it's going to be fun fun (laughs) stuff well and honestly i'm kind of excited for it because i reached out to um adam skinner you remember adam yeah so um i reached out to him to do like an intro music stuff with it Um, And he said that he would do like an intro song. Um, So he's going to do like an instrumental something. And I was talking to him about it and he was like, oh, like a campfire vibe. That would be great. I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. (laughs) So I was like, just very excited. The the intro music to this show is uh, from the song Little Girl that I wrote for you. So that's cheesy okay well no i mean there's not it's just the instrumental it's not the Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean you'll hear it when you hear the first episode um do i have to listen to my own voice i don't want to do that i already have to do that you don't have to but you know i don't know what you're going to do with it um i figured i'd just share it on social media and be like hey i'm doing this with my dad you listen if you want to kind of thing i hope people do it'll be fun if they're listening to us but you know, I I I, I feel like um, the best part of the show is when we talk about the Gilmore Girls. So, um, and, and I've I've been itching to talk mm-hmm. about it, it is double date as the first thing we need to speak mm-hmm. about, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so double date, like you know, as we <laughs> move into this, I I'm sorry, I'm laughing because Rude is like so funny to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Lorelai doesn't want to go on a double date, like at all. Suki is no. tucked into it so that she can go on her first date with Jackson with his cousin. And I, I'm like, <laughs> and as soon as he sees her, he says, Can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, Okay, Rune, she's so far above your pay grade. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Honestly. Like, I, I was like, I wonder if there are bloopers from this episode, right? Where because because <laughs> the, the image of anybody having to pretend to not be attracted to Lorelai Gilmore is hilarious. I mean, the thing is, he's really, really good at it. Like, you know, yeah. Like, do you see how tall she is? Like, <laughs> he's making these like every little thing he's got to say on the side, she can hear every one of them, no matter when he says it. And they're yeah. all like about how big and tall she is. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like she's a giant and he's, you know. <laughs> and she's not, she's not very big. Like, I don't know what, I'm going to look at the, I mean, the height of this actress. Hold she on. is tall. I mean, but she's not that tall. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I mean, well, she's kind of, I'm pretty she's sure she's a bit pretty taller than short. Tricky. 
She's five eight. Yeah, I mean, she's a couple inches so, taller than Suki, you know. So. Yeah. Like she's above average height, I would say, but like <laughs> I'm five eleven. Like <laughs> Rune would be terrified of me. <laughs> Rune, Rune wouldn't know what to do with you. He'd be like, no. Nah. Rune would look at me and just be like, he he couldn't contain himself. I'm certain. I would just be like, go away, little man, and he'd have to run into the woods scared. Uh, this is my cousin Rune. I thought I was gonna die right at that point. Like, yeah, I had forgotten all about Rune because he's not around that much, right? <laughs> he, well, he pops what up I love about like, his his exit, he goes, he's like, you know what I want to do? I want to go bowling, and I so I'm gonna go bowling, and I'd like you to be there. And Jackson's like, you know what? No. <laughs> well, after Suki do says, don't go. Like, you yeah. know, because because it wasn't going that well because Suki wasn't talking to him. He was talking. She was talking to Lorelai the whole time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Like what <laughs> I, I actually wrote down this line. He, he asked her what size shoes she wears. <laughs> At the restaurant. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> Suki and Jackson are like the worst people to ever go into a restaurant with. Right. Because they yeah. could not leave alone nitpicking apart whatever's being served, you know? Like, he's all about whatever vegetables are there and all that crap. And, and she's like about how they prepared it, you know? And she can't stop herself at all. And they're like, it's a nice restaurant, but they're always going to come out disappointed. And so they eventually have to go to Luke's because Luke's is a neutral location, right? Like, right. Or like, let's just go to Luke's. You know you love the burger. And she's like, yeah. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah. Also, Suki could try to argue with Luke and it won't help. No. <laughs> well, and that was like uh, the nice thing about Luke is that Luke has a diversion for Lorelai to get up the fuck away from the table, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and I love it when he finally leaves and she says, bye, loon. <laughs> She didn't it say by Rune. <laughs> she says by Rune. Yeah. Well, and I love uh, I love Luke in that moment too because like he's like very much like two seconds away from asking her out and then just doesn't and you're like, buddy. Uh, yeah. Buddy. And then on the other the other date <laughs> with Lane and uh, talking Rory into getting Dean's friend Todd to go out with them. Todd, Todd, the Toddster. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Todd, who actually ends up liking Lane at the end of the date, which is funny. Uh, yeah. But he, well, he, see, could there the be a bigger like, zero than this guy, though? Like, he was totally devoid of any. Like anything to say, he was just like. <laughs> I've been on dates with guys like Todd. One hundred. Oh yeah. One hundred percent have. They run about that where it's like, you gonna give me anything to work with, buddy? And then, <laughs> without fail, some personalityless stoner boy will always text you back and be like, "Hey, I had a lot of fun. What are you doing next week?" And you're like, <laughs> anything else? Eating charcoal. You know, like, 
Like, do I want to sit there for another hour and try and figure out if you have anything about you that's worth talking about? No, I think you know, I'm but, good. But Todd does get the, you know, the thing is, amidst all of the crazy shit that Rune said that made me laugh, and everybody else, because this is a very funny episode, the funniest thing in the whole episode is Todd's line. You know yeah. what it is, right? Like, because yeah, it's when comes Lane's up and like, she's mad, and Lorelai starts to walk away with, you know, Rory, and he says to Dean, that's Rory's mom. She's a babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite Todd line is actually when they're still in the movie theater and Lane's like, what about movies? You have to like movies. And he's like, oh, yes, I do. Beethoven, too. And he's like, she's like, the one with the dog? <laughs> Well, what's funny is question. what's funny is I immediately <laughs> thought not to bring her up twice in one episode, but your grandmother loves Beethoven. <laughs> I, like I the, was the, like the dog movie. Yeah, I need, I need, a, I need a follow up question. I need like she's grandma like, and he's grandma and Green Day. About it, you know. <laughs> what's which your favorite? Your, part which is your favorite character? Is it the dog? <laughs> Do you just really like dogs? I, I, you know, it's the only thing he's given to it uh, us so far, and I feel like I need to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he, she says later that he called her up and he was interested, and she says, "I pretended to be my mother and wouldn't allow him to speak to me." <laughs> I was like, and it makes sense that that would work too, because I remember who Todd is, and he one hundred percent cannot distinguish whose voice is on the phone. One hundred percent, like <laughs> completely gullible for anything as well, right? Like you could just tell him anything, and he would believe it. Yeah. Uh, so on to the next one. We had um, the charity rummage. Um, <laughs> which... I, every time I watch this episode, I laugh out loud. Just because of the house stuffed, stuffed with charity auction things. And she keeps, keeps pulling things out of it. And she's like, ooh, shiny, which is exactly what it's like to clean a house with my mom. <laughs> oh, I forgot that I had this. Let's put it on the mantle. It's like, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah, Rory the whole time. Really Okay, this is the whole idea is to get rid of stuff, not to add stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. She's, she's trying. Well, that's to how shopping with mom is too. It's like you you go out to somewhere and she's like, I need a very specific. It's like always like, oh, I need a black skirt for a work event. Don't let me get anything but a black skirt. And then mm -hmm. she like keeps going like, ooh, look at this, and it's like a floral print T-shirt. Oh. You're like, <laughs> okay, but how? How will that help the situation? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a black skirt, right? Yes. So, um, yeah. So like Lorelai's having an ooh shiny moment. She accidentally grabs out of the pile a jacket that like this fugly bedazzled like faux sweatshirt. denim yeah. sweatshirt. And it turns out to be Luke's ex's sweatshirt that he was trying to get rid of. Rachel. And it turns into this whole thing right you know she's like she's made luke upset on accident and now she's having weird like jealousy moments where she's like asking too many details about the ex-girlfriend right she's well, like and i think that luke didn't really want her to know about the ex-girlfriend because he wants her to be his girlfriend and there's a whole you don't you really know, talk about that with yeah <laughs> 
you know, of course they go to see the Bengals, which awesome. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. So the, I, I forget that they had the Bengals like come in for this episode. Yeah. And I'm always surprised. I'm like, you guys got the Bengals for this? I didn't even think they were together at the time and they somehow got them to come together to be on the show. Right. <laughs> so that, that was really cool. And, um, but you know, of course they, they bring them along the, the bitches from Chilton and, and Paris. Right. <laughs> and, um, so like, of course the bitches like skate off. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, they don't care about anyone else. We, we've already seen how much they don't give a shit about anybody else or anything else. The, um, <laughs> nice the thing I remember most about this episode, aside from the garage sale stuff is, um, the, when at the end of the episode, those girls are getting pulled out of this random guy's apartment and Laura Light pulls him into the hallway and says, you will never be doing anything about like, like this around my daughter again. And then she says, she's like, you know, I haven't met your parents yet, but I feel like we're going to be great friends. Like, like something like that. And just the energy that Laura Lai like exudes in that. I like can't name a specific instance, but it just screams of you and mom's like parenting style around other kids. Cause it has that like, that air of sarcasm, but like this chilling, like dominance to it where it's like, yeah, idiot. I may be fun, but you're not going to do something stupid with my kid around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, uh, what I what I thought about that was Lorelai went all mom on the bitches, you know? Yeah. Like, she 100% did. And she's like, um, you know, the the thing is, the this is how I identify with her so much because she, you know, you said she's kind of like our style. Well, it's true. Like, I'm going to be nice and friendly and all that until I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a moment when you have to become dad and it sucks because no one wants to be dad. You know, not really. Yeah. You know, I don't even think my dad wanted to be dad. He just never really, you know, let it go and told me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but like when you have to turn into like dad all of a sudden or mom all of a sudden, it kind of stinks. It kind of ruins your night because you have to be like the enforcer that says, Hey, we're not doing stupid, crazy stuff. Like going off into apartments with strangers, <laughs> you know? Um, you know what it reminds me of? I, I've, I just remembered one. Um, I remember it was like the last, like the day before the last day of eighth grade, and I had like some, some similar level of friends come over for like a bonfire at mom's house because it was like the end of eighth grade year and we were about to go to high school. And I was like, okay, well, let's send it off, baby. Let's have a little bonfire in my backyard. And it was like people I had hung out with maybe once or twice, but I wouldn't have considered them like friends yet. It was like, very much where Rory was, where it was like, man, maybe I need a few people in my corner just to be sure. Like, let's test it out with this silly little, like we have a fire and we roast marshmallows and then everybody goes home and it's normal. But, um, three of the girls, um, decided to climb into the abandoned house next door. And next thing I know, all of us are in that abandoned house next door. And one of the nosy neighbors called the police and the police came and like lined our asses up behind this abandoned house and started like yelling at us. And one of the girls I remember talked back to the police officer and he was like, 
little girl, you better learn your place before I put you in handcuffs. And I was sitting there, I was like, Jesus, that's a little fucking excessive. And like, I remember like Joe having to come out and deal with the cops. And then he came to me and he was like, Bailey, you know better than to hang out with people who are going to get the cops called on you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I really do know better. And then I remember him kind of having like a stern word with like the three girls who like made the whole thing happen. And like the rest of the evening, you could tell he was kind of in a shitty mood because he had to be like the party pooper parent, but like. Well, and also the cops have gotten called and that's never good. (laughs) No, and but here's the thing is like, like I remember distinctly that the police officer was like, we got a call about a break-in across town and we went here instead. So you're the reason that person got away. And I was like, that sounds like our police department is underfunded and can't distinguish like between some kids fucking around and like an actual problem. <laughs> like, like, I don't, like, I don't know that we can blame the children fucking around in an abandoned building for the thing a police department didn't do, you know? Well, I, that was probably a little bit, you know, harsh, but, you know. Yeah, but I understand they were trying to, like, scare kids into into not doing it. I thing. half understand. I understand what they were trying to do. That doesn't mean I think it was the best way to do it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> no. like, I mean, like uh, in fairness, that definitely planted a seed in my brain where I was like, man, maybe not all cops are, like, trustworthy people (laughs) like maybe some of them are just kind of assholes like actually most of you know like like in every other profession some are good some are bad some are really bad (laughs) yeah well and it it, it's like it reminded me of like thinking back on it it's it's very similar to like my first job where i was like oh wow really it doesn't matter how long you're alive or where you work. A good portion of the people in charge should not be. Are there for very wrong reasons? So <laughs> and some of, people, some of the people in charge were just bad choices. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no two ways about it. Just bad choices. Yeah, and it just gets exacerbated when the people who are in charge just so happen to have guns. So. yeah you know yes um so at the end of that episode um lorelei gives luke the sweatshirt back and says you know he can keep it and and he's like okay you know it doesn't mean i'm pining and i was like you're pining dude but it's not for rachel (laughs) no it's for the person handing you the sweatshirt yeah let's just be fair well, and let's be fair about why he was upset, because it's not because he saw someone wearing a thing that like, like stung a memory. It's because the girl he was interested in walked into his diner wearing one of his ex-girlfriend's pieces of clothing. And it was like, oh, shit, I have a very specific taste. And it's apparently people who like that sweatshirt. Like, what if this is like Rachel? Then that may be true. Yeah. So the next one is that damn Donna Reed and like, you know, the Donna, Donna Reed. Episode. Well, you know, I, 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 what I love about this thing is that it actually carries us into where we're, where we're going really well. Like they did a great job putting this one in the, in the storyline because 
it, you know, like a couple episodes later, I mean, actually, I think it's even the next one. It, it, it starts to fall apart for Dean and Rory, right? And yeah. this is really the beginning of that because this is where Rory and Dean really start to think about what they might want in somebody that's going to be with them forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which happens to everyone when they start dating at 16 or, you know, whatever age they start dating at, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so she's got the whole Donna Reed thing and they're making fun of it. Because Rory is a lot farther along in thinking about what she might want than Dean is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and, she, uh, all she does is plan her future. So, yes. Right. You know, um, and of course, it starts off with the window washing, uh, not the window washing, the, the sprucing up the, the diner um, thing, which I think mm-hmm. is hilarious because like, you know, Luke, I don't spruce, I don't spruce, but Lorelai suggests you know, that he'll, that she'll help paint and, Oh, this might be time spent with Lorelai. I love this idea. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And no one sees that Finley veiled advance at all. (laughs) Yeah. But then then I love the, I love the, uh, you know, Taylor gets really excited because he's doing it and he walks off and Luke says, I hate that he's pleased. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then we have the whole subplot of, um, they, they can't go to Martha's Vineyard. And uh, yeah. look, that, that's like, this is one of the funniest dinner moments so far in the show. I'm like dying laughing. Right. At she's, she's she goes, just, she's like, well, there are plenty of places to go. What about Europe? We always go to Europe in the fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it, it's because the first class is too expensive in the spring when you don't have to fly first class. And they sit there silently looking at her like she's crazy. <laughs> What I love is that like Emily like completely loses all emotion on her face for a second. It's like she's buffering. She's just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the spinning wheel behind her eyes. <laughs> and of course, I had this like moment of like, I actually shouted yay as the town troubadour appeared for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I love the town troubadour. He has the most messed up equipment ever. And <laughs> he has he has like a harmonica rack with a uh, microphone, like a full-size microphone duct tape to it. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> and uh, what I love about the town troubadour is that he's a paid position. <laughs> Well, eventually. Right now, he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. But no. yes. Uh, and then... Uh, okay. like I love... I love... I would love to be in the... Ta- like, in the town hall, like, booth when they're voting on how, like, the city budget it's going to shake out. And they're like, well, should we start paying that guy? <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have, um, uh, you know, Rory and Dean, of course bickering over the housewife concept in general yeah. right but then rory's got yeah. a house sit for apricot the new cat next door mm-hmm. right and so she, but then she brings a bird home and i love the whole subplot of the animals here like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know rory's got to go take care of a cat in lieu of taking care of her bird that she has to bring home from school which lorelei now has to keep care of which is probably a bad idea and yes because <laughs> She, she she wasn't good with the hamster, right? 
And then, of course, the um, what's his name? Case study number 12. (laughs) 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 Is there a hyphen in that? (laughs) So Lorelai decides she's going to name the bird. But Rory's like, I'm not naming this bird. This bird's a study. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and rightfully so, because the bird quickly gets released in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So then she calls Luke to come over. And of course, at the same time, Rory has decided to play Donna Reed or Dean next door just to see how it feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what if um, I am this man's housewife. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good funny and back and forth with between that. And actually, Rory finds figures out that, you know, it is kind of nice to do this once in a while. Although, like, don't expect me to be this because this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know well, I mean? like, I, like, I think that it's like one of those things where it's like, if someone wants to be a house spouse, that's one thing, but to expect someone to be a house spouse without them volunteering it is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like you and I have spoken before where it's like, yeah, if I found a partner who was making like a million dollars a year, of course I'd be cool with being a house spouse. Are you kidding? Like, that'd be nice. That'd be cush. I could do all my like little projects and all I'd well, have to it's do. It's like that, that dude in, nice. um, the dude in how to be single where she says, you, do you want to stay home with the baby? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never have to do another day at the office or dress in a stupid tie and I get to stay at home with a baby all day. <laughs> that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I 100. I, I get it. I don't want to do the like pregnancy part, but like if someone had a kid and they were like, you know, I'm really looking for a house spouse, I'd be like, well, how much do you make? Like, is it feasible? Let's talk about it. <laughs> wow. Don't give that away. People might come searching. Um, okay. <laughs> so I, I also love that. Uh, the when you know before Luke came over, he talked about his dad for a minute mm-hmm. and the order that he took on the wall. You know, I really mm-hmm. loved that part, like how she was like, "Okay, we're gonna paint, but we're not gonna paint over this." You know, mm-hmm. that's really cool. You know, um, and you know the bird getting loose was pretty funny. And but at the end of the episode, the real drama happens, which is that Christopher pulls up on his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so. You know, it's basically, you know, this is the first time we've met Rory's dad and we're 14 episodes into the first season, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I like the way they introduced him because, like, they were kind of hinting at, like, certain aspects of his character for a really, really long time. And I do love that he comes in the exact way you would almost like picture bad news to roll into town. It's like he's wearing a leather jacket and he's on his motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) You think, oh shit. Like like every time, like, and and it is, he is kind of bad news, right? Like that's like the thing is like Lorelai's not jazzed to see him, you know? He's bad news and he's like good news all at the same time. Which is yeah. like, which is the way that Lorelai sees him anyway, right? Yeah. Like, and, like, and throughout the, I want the, you to be here, but I wish you weren't that way when you were, you know. Like, yeah, like you're not right. Like you're not you're you're not right for me or the situation or anything. But I love you so much <laughs> that I, I would like to have you here. You know, like I wish that you could be, but you aren't. You know, you aren't, and you're not going to be. And like 
if she had stuck to that throughout the series, she would have been better off. <laughs> Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, but, um, yeah. but, you know, in this one, he, like, you know, he comes in and he's like, you know, she's, she's very questioning, like, you know, suspicious of why he's there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Almost like she is with her parents, which I, I find, you know, it's like everybody that's really messed her up. She, you know, are, are people that are really close to her and she's really suspicious of them, like doing it again. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and and, with good reason. Uh huh. Yeah. He has a bad track record. Now that said, she's gonna let him do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily invites all of them to have dinner with Strobe, and um, I don't even remember Christopher's mom's name, but Strobe was such a dick that I can't forget to forget him. <laughs> and yeah. um, an interesting thing to me is like you know. We talked about earlier that the hardware store and loots changed from episode one to later. Well, the Gilmore's house is different earlier here than it is later as well. Like, yeah, this the, is when they really introduced that like great room with the giant fucking portrait on the wall, right? Well, yes, like, well, like the room that they settle in, but it's in a different spot than it is later, like in the yes. house, and also yeah. that room in in later, like there's a stairway behind it and a big open room also behind the couch. And, yeah. and this one, it's like a little room with a wall there. And I'm like, I'm kind of thrown by that because I think it, it has to happen fairly soon that that room changes because like, mm -hmm. I didn't even remember this being, you know, this way. <laughs> well, I remember yeah. the staircase moving. Like, I feel like I did intellectualize like, oh, that's a different set because for the, like, for the first like half of the first season, right? Like they do play off of those two different rooms. Like you sit in this one, you have the drink and then you navigate to the actual dining room. Like, yeah. that's, like, the whole system. So I do, like, and even when Rory, like, when Lorelai pulls her mom aside for a word before the golf outing episode, they walk into that room specifically. Yeah, so it's 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 a weird switch around, and I don't know when it happens, but I guess, you know, later. It's coming up. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's definitely around when they do the debutante stuff. Because the staircase plays a part in the like dress reveal thing, right? So like when when she when Rory when Rory gets introduced, she says, "Did you just curtsy? Shut up! Sorry, my lady." <laughs> it's like it's her first time meeting her grandparents on that side, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like since she was a baby, like they hadn't seen her since she was like you know couldn't remember them. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, like, well, I love this. I, I love this part. Name. Like, we get so much out here, right? Because yeah. Strobe hasn't had an in, really. I think the the long and the short of it is, he feels like he's never really gotten a chance to say everything he wanted to say, even though he probably had mm -hmm. at some point. <laughs> but he like, yeah. you know, rolls it all out there, and uh, starts to rip on her because she's. Um, well, I mean, she kind of started the fight, the real fight. Underneath, he was kind of boiling and messing with her and talking about her job and, you know, that. And then she suddenly just says, I, I think George Bush sucks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was literally like, oh, you want to fire cannons at me? I'm just going to attack you, <laughs> you know. And um, and then, you know, they, you know, he went off and did his whole spiel. And then Richard defended her, which like. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that made me like almost tear up because every every time I watch uh-huh. that speech, I almost cry because it's it's like one of those things where it's like it's a very big parallel to just a few episodes earlier where Lorelai yells at her mom for like thinking that Rory's a bad kid, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you start to see for the first time that although Richard and Emily have a lot of bitterness behind them, they still like at their core know that Lorelai's a good person. Right. And that like, she heard, and he's, she's his daughter and you aren't. Going yeah. And he like, at their core, they're still like, yeah. they still love their kid. He's, he's still like, I can, I can, I can insult my daughter all I want, but if you do, I will, I will cut your throat basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, and what, <laughs> you know, it, it's very clear from the get go that the main difference with them is that like, they have love for their family and Strobe really doesn't like, like he doesn't have any real thought or opinion about Rory. And that's why like, he doesn't really have a relationship with Rory ever. You know, it's like, in theory, they should be the same relationship with her as Emily and Richard are, but they just have no interest in that whatsoever. Well, they also like, they're just not very good people. You know, like we see, we see a lot of the hope of people and the good of people and the love of people throughout the series. And this is like mm-hmm. one of those instances where you get to see the opposite, which these are the bad people, <laughs> you know, like well, and it, these people don't really, love anyone, like, you know, really watching it. It kind of occurred to me that I was like, it really explains why Christopher is who Christopher is, that that is the parents behind him, you know? Mm-hmm. it's like when he calls dad that's the guy who answers the phone like oh <laughs> right. that must suck like, yeah. yeah like as, as much as Lorelai doesn't like her parents at least they're not strobe you know <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's like these two like also for me it kind of felt like this is why Lorelai and Christopher bonded because they both have parents that they can't quite ever understand, understand or or get Yeah. Or enjoy. Yeah. And so that, that's really their bond. Like they're, you know, they, they have that, that bond over (laughs) growing up with rich parents who don't understand them wanting to be normal people. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, So, and then of course, Lorelai goes and thanks him and he, and Richard like tells her, you know, you shouldn't be thanking me because I still do feel like you created a lot of pain <laughs> basically, you know, like I still do feel like you didn't do everything that like, I don't think you need us at all. And I'm proud of that. But <laughs> I also think you did a lot of things I don't agree with. And it, it, no matter what you do right now, it's not going to fix all the pain I felt over it, you know? And yeah, uh, <laughs> and all the disappointment that he had because he had some vision that just will never come true. Like she's never going to Yale, you know? No. <laughs> and, um, and that really bothers him. Like, cause yeah. it's, it's like one of those things he expects, you know, the minimum from his family to do something, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm. And she refused to do the minimum, you know? Yeah. Mostly because she knew it would get to them, which is, <laughs> not a reason to not do the minimum. 
Yeah, and, and Lorelai actually recognizes that too. It's why she's in night school. It's why she wants Rory to go to Harvard, right? <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Well, because I, but I think that what sucks about Lorelai is that she refuses to acknowledge what she knows. You know, she like, she's aware of it. She's trying to fix it. She's not going to say <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I was being obstinate. I was being a jerk. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Uh-huh. Would have been better if I had. Feel yeah. a lot of guilt over it and keep saying things like, oh, I don't want my daughter to go down the path I did, even also, though she was the best thing that ever happened to me. It also has a big bearing on how she treats Rory later and why she does those things. And I love that they're just leading us there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, you know, of course, Christopher and Lorelai have to, you know, get together. Um <laughs> And the entire time it's happening, you're like, please stop. Don't do this. This is please stop. Yeah. Don't do this. And then, you know, Lorelai, of course, the next morning freaks out and has because she realizes she stood up Luke with the painting. And so she goes down there in her jammies at six in the morning and he's not having any of it. He's pissed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Because he realizes he's not pissed because she didn't show up to paint. He's pissed Mm -hmm. because she's with Christopher. And he doesn't agree with that at all. <laughs> you know, it, 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 he doesn't agree with that on a whole nother level because he knows that Christopher abandoned them, you know, yeah. and that's always his problem with Christopher, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, and, and, of course, and part of it is like he can't comprehend it because Rory and Lorelai are two people that he loves unconditionally. Right. And right. he would do anything for them. Anything. Yeah. And, um, but then, you know, she comes back to the house and Christopher asks her to marry him. And I'm just like, unreal. What kind of a, you know, what kind of a pretentious person are you? It's This is your dad coming out on you that you would do this. <laughs> like, this is the strobe in you, dude. Like, mm-hmm. and, and she sees it too immediately as, you know, she's like, you've lost your fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like that was her response, which is, like the response. I mean, you've yeah. been here for a day. Like you ran away for 15 years and you've been here for a day and you think that I'm going to just go, oh, yes, I'd love to marry you. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so. Like, ah, you misunderstand what marriage is. Interesting. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? So, you know, the thing about all of that stuff is that it really it, like the, the brilliance of this of the writing here is how it kind of leads into the next episode of the uh, star cross lovers and other strangers, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Rory and Dean having their three month anniversary and, you know, Emily using it as an as a, as a opportunity to try and set Lorelai up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The funniest moment in this episode for me is it's not polite to leave 15 perspective in Korean in-laws waiting is what like she says to Lane, Rory says to Lane. Yeah. Um, to you know, because she's got to go to her date. But then, mm-hmm. you know, um the second funniest one to me is everything that every reaction that Richard has to this dude Chase, right? Mm-hmm. He's been sitting there sort of indifferent about tonight's dinner reading his paper because he knows Rory isn't coming and it's kind of bothering him. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's just going to have dinner with Lorelai and he's like, uh, whatever. We just had this like falling out last time I saw her, you know, and, <laughs> and everything. 
And then <laughs> this chase dude comes in and Richard immediately is like, this isn't going to work. This dude's, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> like he, he was in the room with him for a minute. And he's like, he was filling me on the beauty of actuarial science. <laughs> he rolled his eyes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It keeps cutting back and forth, but I love it when it cuts in and she, he says, so are you a member of the DAR? And she says, DAR? No. <laughs> D-A-R-N. <laughs> Darn. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then he, Richard's like, can I have some more roast? <laughs> He's trying to change it. And, and Laura like volunteers to go get roast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll get dad some more roast. <laughs> so like all of the all of the chase stuff you know I, I love it when he's sitting there and he says <laughs> he can pinpoint the day that someone's gonna die <laughs> and Laura like, perks up and says oh can you do that for her <laughs> you know like <laughs> uh, so I, I loved all the, that it was so bad it was hilarious and, and then Richard lets her escape out the window <laughs> She's not here. Like, <laughs> well, and then Emily is upset with her for escaping out the window. Like, I'm sorry. Did you bring an actual? <laughs> She's like, like don't, don't make me go back in there. That guy is boring. <laughs> Richard kind of smiles. <laughs> he is. He's like, I don't want that guy around the house either. Let's just let's just cut the cut our losses and move forward. So I thought that was great. And then of course they're having the firelight festival, and Mayor Porter likes the, the funniest, the very funniest thing in this uh, in this uh, probably of all these episodes. I laughed like the hardest at this because the old mayor's up there and he talks about finding his wife at the festival and all that. And then Taylor <laughs> says. Ask her to wave. He says, I can't. She went to bingo in Bridgeport. <laughs> he's, he's got this whole romantic story about how he met her at the festival 40 years ago or whatever. And she's not even there because she went to bingo. <laughs> in another town, no less. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole town's into the festival. They're all standing there. <laughs> The mayor's wife is off playing bingo in Bridgeport. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, that, that just fucking killed me. I backed it up like three times to watch his little craggly face as he says, I can't. She's playing bingo in Bridgeport. <laughs> uh, and so, um, and of course. Well, and then the- like basically like the the crux of this episode for me is like you're really seeing like where dean and rory's relationship is gonna go like like it's supposed to be their anniversary but the entire time you're like oh shit like oh this is not this is not gonna last is it like i think that like the the lantern festival is really like as soon as the the sun starts setting you're like Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, and then, you, you know, and it was like, Roy was like having such a good time and on cloud mm-hmm. nine, right? All, the whole time mm-hmm. through it. And I was like, what's going to happen? You know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, he's building her a car. And I'm like, oh, that's, 
that's too much. Like that's too much. But like for her, it's like at first she's like, cool, this is really nice, you know? And she's like a car that's like, you know, but it hasn't really sunk in that it's too much. Cause yeah. like Lorelai would have immediately ran and told her to like from the, it's like the marriage proposal, right? From Because it is, <laughs> it's 100 like in, in her mind for a second, she thinks it's like that read night, but like, she's also not super excited about it. Right. And it's like, the amount of effort it takes to make a car by hand out of like scraps and pieces that you order piece by piece. I'm like, this is a several month affair that he has already undertaken. Like it, if it's not going to work, you need to say so before he puts in a, another day of labor on the car, mm-hmm. but she doesn't do that. Until he like snaps her out of it by saying, I love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. because that, that immediately sets her into, huh? Do I, is, is this a forever thing? Am I, am I deciding a forever at 16? Maybe I shouldn't decide about it forever at 16. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had been that emotionally mature at 16 actually, but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I also think if part of me is like, I remember, like, like I, I feel like, obviously, if <laughs> I was like, obviously, my boyfriend at sixteen or fourteen, I guess, fifteen was not nearly as attractive as fucking Jared Padalecki. Um, damn, uh, but like, I remember I was dating someone. Like, my first relationship was very much like he was way too into it. Like. And I don't like, I wasn't emotionally mature enough to be like, wait, no, (laughs) like, I think it's hard to be like, like, I think that it's like, you don't recognize that someone is even interested in forever until you're already in the zone of hurting their feelings. Right. Like, yeah. So that like, I think that like, there's no way that Rory could have set a boundary earlier on. Right. <laughs> and then, so, you know, then she was like, you know, I, I need to think about this. And I was like, okay, this is, he's going to break up like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, because, and, and, and because, you know, you need to think, and he just said, I love you. Like, right. He's all in and you're not. And th- yeah. this is, there's a point of no return that just got reached. It's, <laughs> yeah, you're at critical yeah. mass right now, and right. you you don't even realize the the trigger that has been pulled. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then um, you know, of course, Rachel shows up in the diner, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she's <laughs> back. A whole bunch of owls. Well, I mean, she had, she, she had shown up in the diner in the previous episode, but she shows up at the festival, and. Lorelai, of course, shows back up early after Rachel had sat there and they both ask about each other, which was, you know, like Rachel immediately saw that he was totally into Lorelai. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Lorelai immediately saw that he still hadn't completely gotten over Rachel, mm-hmm. you know. And so there was a, you know, whole thing there. That was awkward, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lorelai decides she's going to call Max when she gets home and it gives the voicemail and Rory comes in and says they broke up. And I mean, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm a parent and like <laughs> whenever you've broken up with someone like uh, you know or had a breakup like i'm immediately like oh my god you know like i know that the, i know the floor has fallen out for you and it's like it's really heartbreaking on you know your own level i mean it's not the same it's not like you feel sad about the relationship being over or anything like that you just know yeah. that your daughter is going to be really fucking sad for a few days and yeah. there's nothing you can do except hug her, you know, and then that's what she kind of did at first. Yeah. And then, you know, we go into the part two breakup and we're talking about, you know, she won't let her wallow. She, I mean, she won't let herself wallow and that's all that Laura wants her to do. I love the scene where she comes in at six in the morning and she's like, you know, it's 6 a.m. with the clock. She's like looking at the clock. That's all she wants to. She's like, come on, we're going to do all the things today. Blah, blah, blah. She's all bouncy and happy. And she's like, it's 6 a.m. Let's go back to bed. <laughs> you know? You're avoiding a wallow. I can tell this about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she rearranged all the furniture and she says, but I noticed you didn't move the TV. It was too heavy. She's like, oh, well, you know. The couch facing away from it, I thought at first would be a challenge to watch the TV, but you know, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. I was like, <laughs> she rearranged the furniture in a completely impractical way. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Well, like it, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like. I don't think that she could wallow if she wanted to, because clearly her brain is like, no, 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 no. Don't look at that. Don't look at the sad. Let's do anything else. Would you like hyperfixation on anything else right now? All right. And she's going to, and she, she, she had put all the stuff, like made her throw away everything and uh-huh. she puts it in the closet. And I love how they circle back to that at the end of the episode where Lorelai is um, grabbing out of the, grabbing out of the closet like mm-hmm. her box, right? And then she ends up going to see Max, which is like the biggest mistake of this episode. Um, <laughs> like, technically, she made it last episode. Okay. Well, when she, <laughs> she called, already made the mistake, she's just deciding to, to follow to, through on to it make, to make the mistake even worse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, it's like, oh my god, what are you doing? You know. And. Um, in so, fairness, I think that she's just letting Rory's um, emotional state uh, derive her emotional state, which is stupid. It is, yes. And like, um, <laughs> Lorelai, um, you know, the, the funny thing is Rory won't tell anybody what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and Lorelai is um, trying to get that out of her. They go to the diner to Luke's and I like, I love it that she's trying to keep it away from her and like Miss Patty knows. So I'm like, okay, Miss Patty knows. So it's only a matter of moments before really everybody knows anyway, <laughs> you know? And, well, and it, this is the start of the rumblings where there's like, it's, it's like Dean starts getting shit on by the entire town. Yes. Because it starts with Lori yeah. doesn't say why. Right, because yes. Rory's embarrassed about why she creates a toxic environment for Dean, even though Dean made the right choice. Yeah, and even though it isn't at all Dean's fault, not no, really. it's not <laughs> Dean's fault at all. In fact, it, it's ridiculous that Dean had to be the one to say, "Okay, I know this isn't going to work. Like, 
I'm not going to sit through this like while you figure out it's not going to work. Like before you figure out that you should break up with me, I'm going to go ahead and just break up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's all right. I don't need to wait for you to hurt me. You've already done it. I know how this ends. You've already chopped my head off. I I don't need to wander around in the dark headless. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And so like that, like, it's like, that's what really sucks about it. Like this is the first episode where I really, it takes me a minute to really empathize with Rory and what's going on with her because in my head, I literally like would not be able to sit through watching that, like for my own pride. Like that's what it is. It's like her own pride won't let her fess up to what happened because it's her fault. Well, uh, also ready to face that it's her fault. I don't think that it's about ready to face it's her fault or that part of it for me. I think it's that she's in shock. Like, okay. like, like I think about it, like when you go, you know, like you get an injury, you go into shock and you just like, there's no clear thinking for a moment or whatever, mm-hmm. when you get hurt and, and this kind of a thing, it's like, she's in shock about the whole situation mm-hmm. and she can't process it at all. So like, she can't say what happened to anyone because her brain has it. Like she's in, she's in shock. Like she hasn't been able to open it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, well, because it was and, like it was like two or three very heavy things in a row. It's like, okay, this guy's making this car for me. That's crazy. Don't know how to unpack that or what that means. And then the "I love you" hit, and it was like, okay, these paired together are starting to unlock something, but it makes it a whole bigger thing that I can't really wrap my head around. So I'm going to need to think about this. And then the third one hits where Dean is like just more emotionally advanced and he's skipping ahead to the end. And he just says, okay, well, if you don't know right away, this isn't going to work. We need to break up. And that's the third thing she can't comprehend because she's like, okay, wait a minute. The first two things you've said to me don't match with we should break up but I haven't gotten to why they do. Right. So <laughs> yes. And she, and, and like, she can't like the, the, her problem with any of it, the whole way, like when he kissed her the first time and she ran away, mm-hmm. it's because she has like it, it, something that isn't planned hits her. Mm-hmm. She can't, she needs a moment. She needs to think about it. Like that's her, that's her personality. Right. Yeah. Nothing. She can't do anything like that you know like that's that's one of the things that like she has to grow into later but like right now she can't do anything spontaneous right like things have to be planned in some way you know or or they don't well in fairness it's because her processing time is at a dangerous level right like if she were to do a spontaneous thing she can't process information quickly enough to make decisions safely <laughs> you know so she what I'm shuts off. like yeah, like she, i she can doesn't... make decisions at the drop of a hat and they usually work out well because <laughs> i'm very good at processing information quickly right like if i just make a decision i can probably end up in a safe zone no matter what the decision is whereas rory at 16 was definitely not capable of doing that like it even is a hint at like she's wanting to do a spontaneous thing in four years, right? Like 
her first day of freshman year, she had, and she knows that her and her mom are going to go backpacking across Europe, which is usually a really spontaneous thing where you get to decide your own little things. And you like, <laughs> but she's like setting aside little shit for four years. She's saving up money. She's mm-hmm. mapping out the like route several years in advance because she cannot physically do the spontaneous plan as you go thing because it takes too long for her to hit okay and then we'll do this and we'll do this because she just wants every single aspect to be known right Mm -hmm. so like no right at 16 where it's like okay well i kind of want to go to fez but i'm currently in spain right (laughs) There's just too many decisions between there and here for me to properly route out as I go. Right, right. So, yeah. So, like, you know, um, as we, you know, get to the rest of this, which is like crazy, we have, of course, you know, we're in the diner and Kirk comes up while Lorelai's telling Luke and starts talking to Rory about it, (laughs) which is just par for the Kirk course, right? He's like the everyman in town who like walks up and, you know, whatever the worst possible like way to approach it, he does Mm -hmm. it like just for the whole town. Not he's not really himself. He's he's doing it for everybody in town that's going to do the same thing just so that we can see that this is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what she's in for. Right. Right. Um, And then, of course, Luke sees Dean outside and like tries to stop him from going in the diner. He won't tell Dean why. He doesn't say because Rory's in there because he want, he's afraid that she'll, he'll want to go in even more, which is like not true, actually. If he had just told Dean that Rory was in there, he would have probably turned away because he wasn't yeah. interested in seeing her, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then they get into this whole fight the street and the Lorelai comes out and she's like, are you crazy? What is the matter with you? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> You know, you can't be beating up a 16-year-old kid. What's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> and then Luke's like, he hurt Rory. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Rory is like, I'm sorry about that. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you. You know, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, so then uh, Rory decides that she's going to go to Madeline's party because it's something to do besides wallow right yeah and um and they go to the party and we get to see more of paris and her becoming friends as lane goes off with the korean kid right mm-hmm. and yeah then- and lane's surprise love interest yeah <laughs> i love that guy i really <laughs> wish he had been more you know well but lane was like afraid of doing it because like you know she didn't want to end up with a korean guy like, yeah, she's like, oh no, my parents will approve of him. Like, right. Calm down. <laughs> right. Um, and, and of course, Lorelai goes over to see Suki, and Jackson has kicked her out of the kitchen, which is like one of the funniest moments in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like I said, Suki cannot, she just cannot handle somebody else cooking. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Honestly, her not being in the kitchen is the only way to cook for her. <laughs> right. He says, you took the ladle out of my head four times. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> he says, she says, he says, uh, I'll, and I'm cleaning up. 
But I have a system for the dishwasher. He says, I'll wing it. (laughs) And her face goes like, (gasps) (laughs) 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 So Melissa McCarthy as an actress is one of the funniest people ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the funny thing is that I didn't watch Gilmore Girls when it was on TV. And Mm -hmm. I never saw Melissa McCarthy until she was in Bridesmaids, like in anything. Mm -hmm. Like never noticed her or any of that. And she was in Bridesmaids and she like takes all the puppies that they're giving away at the at the mm-hmm. bridal shower. And th- like from that moment, I have loved everything like and wanted to watch anything that Melissa McCarthy's in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, what I love about her in this is that what I love about Melissa McCarthy, as always, is that she's one of the few bigger women who is actually put in effeminate, desirable roles, right? Like, I feel like Sookie is, like, just one of those characters that is completely herself, and you don't talk about her shape or make fun of, like, she's not goofy because she's big, right? Like, which is, like, a common thing with, like, larger women. They're always, like, characterized as, like, kind of butch or kind of overly goofy or sporty or anything like that. Like, Suki is a really effeminate person who is also yeah. super, super driven, but she's also, like, saccharine sweet, like, very intelligent. Like, she's a really three-dimensional <laughs> character who just also happens to be very funny. <laughs> so yeah. I love, I love her. I love everything about her. Like, Suki is one of my favorite, like, best friend characters in media. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that like, you know, I mean, Melissa McCarthy, you know, you're right about her roles, no matter what they put her in, she doesn't let that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever acting she does with whatever character, she doesn't Mm -hmm. let any of that stuff happen because none of that matters to drive a story. And she's always really good about keeping the story on track. And that's why she's so good as a lead actress, you know? Well, and um, even at her role in Bridesmaids, she, like, like the entire focus of her character is, like, you think that she's, like, just this really weird, like, sister, and then you find out that she's, like, an FBI agent, right? Like, like, like there's just so many layers to her as a character when she's Megan that, like, I, I love Megan, too, like, yeah, and uh, well, in that movie, have you seen the movie Tammy that she's in? Yes, I have. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably her for me her most brilliant role, mm-hmm. like because she plays every emotion in that so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not for me like a movie that I would watch over and over again, mm-hmm. um, but I think that she's just incredible acting wise in it. Mm-hmm. She's also in um, uh, Identity Theft, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I liked her well, against... Um, and she's in the third Hangover movie. Like, yeah. she... Galifianakis is like foil. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so, yeah. But anyway, back to this story. We have um, Lorelai going to see Max, and I think we talked about that. And then, of course, the, the parallel, which is Tristan gets broken up with at the party, and Rory feels bad for him and kisses him, which mm-hmm. is, like, what really breaks her when she finally breaks out of the shock is when that happens <laughs> Yeah, because she like kisses him and then runs out of the room. She's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, this was not what I, what, what the hell's the matter with me? Right. Yeah. And she goes home 
And Lorelai gets there and she's eating out of a giant, like half gallon of ice cream or a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> it was massive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she says, okay, it's time to wallow. And like, that's when I actually had tears. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's really, oh, you know, you know me, I get weepy at the drop of a hat anyway, but that like, I was like, there we go. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're feeling it. And this is, this yeah. is hard, you know? Yeah. And um so Lorelai was like jumps on the phone and orders a pizza and we end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just like, um, you know, I, I actually think that you know, six episodes was the limit for me at the moment. Like we should yeah, do six we should time. <laughs> we should yeah. do six um I was gonna say the thing about um it was interesting watching this episode this week just because um <laughs> I've been on the verge of a wallow because on Monday night I was like coming back from my drawing class and I was thinking about the fact that like my 25th birthday is next week and I was like hmm I don't have enough friends here to really do like a big like yay birthday like a like a, like a big something right like I asked um I, I hate that we've I hate that we've had 24 Friday. birthday dinners and I can't take you for a 25th one. Yeah, like like I literally and 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 my my paychecks are shaking out badly still. So it's like I um I don't know what I'm going to do on my 25th and I was like saying to Sid, I was like I need to go do something. So I'm going to try and rough up enough to get get a train ticket and go to Loch Lomond on that day because I was like I need to not wallow like that. It's weird to wallow on a birthday. Like I don't like doing it whenever I do do it. I feel like triple bad. Right. Like that's like basically the number one thing I always avoid on my birthdays. Like I try not to be in a low point on them because they feel worse. And so like, I very much have been like kind of in that Rory state of mind where it's like, I gotta make plans. I gotta go do something <laughs> like, and so it's, it was interesting watching it. Cause I was like, man, I'm going to hit a pint of ice cream moment in the next week or two. I can feel it. So if you do though, like, don't just like pick random ice cream, go like pick something cool. You know what okay. I mean? Cool like, ice cream. I'll work. Uh, on yeah, no, no, no. Like cool don't, don't grab like the generic brand out of the freezer. Like go and get like the Ben and Jerry's or the, you know, Oh, the expense. <laughs> okay. Like, but you know, you don't have to get a big one, you know, but get do that so that you have like something that's really worth it. Does that make sense? No. I mean, I think that like wallowing is wallowing. Like I'm not going to try and make the wallowing. You're just going to buy the generic chocolate ice cream. Like the, the, the half gallon that's five cents. Well, I don't, I don't know where you're buying your ice cream. Whatever, the five dollars. I don't know. Yeah. Sense. So, <laughs> you know what I meant. Okay, I'll look for the bougiest fucking wallow snack possible. Just yeah. For you. What what what's that other ice cream? I can't think of the name of it at the moment. Um, Ghirardelli. No. I don't know. No, I gosh, why is it escaping me? Very fancy. Think fancy. What's fancy about it? Uh, it's just it's just like the high end ice cream, and I can't think of the name of it right now. I like Lindor? as you get older, Bailey. What is you say? Lindor. No, that's a chocolate company. I know, but the chocolate companies have ice cream lines now. That's Cray. Okay. I, I I'm I'm my 
my my thinker is off. Uh, when you get older, sometimes words it escape you. Like it used to. Fancy ice cream brand. This is what I'm googling right now. Happy Sunday. Uh, Hagen Dazs. There we Hagen go. Dazs. <laughs> you like the Hagen Dazs because it's always expensive and good. Um, I actually like the Hagen Dazs banana split. That's one of my favorite ice creams. I think my main thing is that like doing something fun is probably going to be cheaper than buying a wallow pint of ice cream. Like, you know, like, maybe. Uh, yeah. Like monetary. I don't know what ice cream costs in the UK, but. Well, so like I've been thinking about, there's a town called, oh God, I asked someone for help. God Swallop? No, it's called Bullock. It's B-U-L-L-O-C-H. You know what you could but, do is go find Shelton Castle in Norfolk. Um, that is a very expensive train ticket. Hear my idea first before you start suggesting other things. <laughs> so this town, Bullock, is like 40. I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. I know I am. It's like 45 minutes away by train. And it is the coastal town nearest to me that borders Loch Lomond. Okay. So it's got... Loch Lomond National Park right there. Um, it's got the sea, like, front, like, the waterfront, and then um, a bunch of hiking trails. And then it was also, like, two years ago, voted the top city, the top town in Scotland for remote work. Wow. So, <laughs> so I was like, well, my birthday's on a Thursday. I could take the train up there, and that's, like, 15, 13 pounds, which is, like, $15. It's like, I could go up there, I could find a coffee shop, I could sit there and just work remotely from Lock Woman instead, and then go on a hiking thing and then catch the train back. That That's sounds fun. like fun. These, yeah. these are my ideas. Well, good luck with it, and happy birthday this week. Thank you. And um, I love you. Happy having a child who is um, half your age week. <laughs> cool. Love you. Love you too. Thank you for being a part of the Family Rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.